Hello and welcome to the latest opening bell. Um, Tris Dixon is not too far away actually, he's out in the office but he's snowed under with work so he's handed over the reins to myself and John Denon. John, you've been eager to get involved in some podcast action, haven't you? I just don't like being out of the loop. I know. I want to get in the mix. I know, well you're, you're right in the thick of things now. I'm in your face. What have you been doing? What did you do last Friday? Uh, I went to Birmingham and attempted to exercise with Hot Prospect Calify. How did that go? Very badly for me. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I died after one station of the circuit. Well, not literally died, obviously. No, I can, no, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was you know surprisingly hard boxing. Yeah, isn't it? And can readers, stroke listeners? see the uh, results of your hard work at any point? Uh, we have some humiliating video footage which will be coming to boxingnewsonline.net <laughs> <laughs> you know, over the, over the coming days, you know, this week or next week. Forward slash Denon makes a fool of himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it looks like I can, can't even jump. For the record, I can jump. I was just so tired. <laughs> it looked like I was just... I'm, I'm Did just, all your best work off camera a bit. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing. They didn't film my first attempt at the circuit. I really, uh, really crunched <laughs> through that. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, let's move on. Um, there was some action at the weekend, and it turned out, I mean, the main fight, obviously, was Canelo Alvarez coming back and stopping Alfredo Angulo. It was, I thought, going to be more competitive than it turned out to be. Um, were you impressed with Saul Alvarez? Uh, very impressed. Like, he looked really strong, really fast as well. But uh, Angulo didn't look very good at all. His punches seemed sort of flapping his jab. I, I, I thought Angulo looked so much better against Lara when he yeah. dropped him. You know, when he dropped Erislandi Lara twice, and I was, I was expecting, I wasn't expecting it to be so one-sided. No, do you, and it's, it's interesting you say that about Angulo. Um, I mean, Tris and I were chatting last week, and I, I gave Angulo. A decent, a decent shot in the fight, um, and but he's had that tough fight. You mentioned that fight with Laura, where he did look a lot better. He had a tough fight against James Kirkland. Um, he's t he took some severe punishment against um, Alvarez. Is he finished? Is he not working well with Virgil Hunter? What do you think the problem is? Yeah, I d I don't know. I mean, <sighs> Laura and Canelo were high level fighters you know so sort of if he takes a step down in class he might start look, looking good again um so i'm not sure if he is finished but i don't think we want to see him taking another beating like that again yeah. um I, I don't know what to 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 make a virgil hunter it's hard to know unless you're sort of in the gym and can see them at work because you know these boxers aren't aren't fools there must be a reason why they're there in his gym and they they must feel they're getting something from it you know and a lot of times it can just be you know, you can you can sort of overpraise a trainer when he's got good fighters, but you can also overcriticise him when the results aren't going his way, and it's ultimately sort of up to the boxer. The boxer, the boxer deserves the credit and also some of the criticism if it doesn't go well. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I mean, the, you know, for me, Virgil Hunter is yet to to really prove his worth, isn't he, as a trainer? I wasn't convinced by. Some of the things you're saying to Amir Khan in the Julio Diaz fight, but I mean the thing is, what what you say there as well is, 
is that when things aren't going a fighter's way, it's it's a bit too easy to, to criticise the trainer for the advice yeah. they're giving, isn't it? And when you say Alan proved proved, uh, proved his worth, you mean with you know with See, the, with the other fighters, bar Andre, bar Andre Ward. Ward. Yeah. you know, and it could be just those two click and have a great understanding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the <laughs> it was strange at the calm fight, wasn't it? That he he was sort of not in getting in the ring. Yeah, that was weird. At least he was in the ring with Andrew. Yeah, Lowe, I know. So. I know. And the, yeah, you're talking yeah. about that. That was bizarre because, you know, for 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 Khan and for 99 percent of fighters, they're anticipating, you know, their their mentor or their leader, to be kind of in the ring with them, and then having to kind of turn your head and listen to what what the trainer's saying. It did seem like a very very odd way to do things back then. Yeah, and Hunter, he does. You know, he does talk a good game. Absolutely, I find yeah. him, I find him, you know, intelligent and convincing to listen to. Yeah. But then I suppose with the, this Angulo fight, he was sort of more trying to motivate Angulo rather than giving the sort of from yeah. from the clips I saw of him um, in the ring rather than giving him sort of technical guidance. But maybe he felt that was the right thing to do yeah. at the time. I mean, with 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 Alvarez, for me, the jury's still out. He was, I think, it's fair in saying. On the occasion he fought Floyd Mayweather, he was outclassed, yeah. despite that once, you know, very, very obscure scorecard. You know, you can now perhaps say that Angulo's style was made for, for Canelo. Ideally, what would be the next step now for Alvarez so we can kind of get a handle on exactly, you know, where he's going and, and how good he is? Um, well, we, the panel in the magazine, just sort of the general consensus wants to see him in with the winner of Cotto or Sergio Martinez. That would be a huge fight. But um, it's easy to forget because Canelo's had so many fights and recently been at the top level for you know for all his recent fights. How young he is? What is he? Twenty three. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, he, you you could forgive him. A sort of you know a couple of easier fights really because he's now he's fought Mayweather he's fighting at that elite level and that's quite, I mean what were you doing when you were twenty three? Let's not talk about that. I tried to think exactly. <laughs> it's, you know it's pretty amazing. So presumably at that age he's he's, he's still improving. Like yeah. he's, he's he's off his his um he's off his peak. So he could be something very special indeed. Yeah, and he's he also, I think, you know, looking at his frame and what have you, he's certainly slowly but surely growing towards middleweight limit, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, I think he'd be a, a cracking addition to the middleweight ranks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how exciting would he be for, for that division? But I suppose he, he should be criticised as well for, for coming in a pound heavy for this fight. Yeah, and that's, that's no. the thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not like it's it's it's... The weight limit is announced on the day of the weigh-in. They knows these guys know what they're supposed to supposed to weigh, and it, it is it's, it's bad discipline, whichever way you look at it. Isn't yeah, it? we're trying to sneak in a sneak yeah. in advantage, like the dastardly Salido. Actually, yeah, let's get your take on on Orlando Salido before we move <laughs> on. Um, yeah, you um, a big fan of Lomachenko? I know that you followed his career. Yeah. For a long time, um, which you know to, has been going on a lot longer than his two professional fights. Obviously, he was an amazing amateur. Um, what did you make of of his effort first of all against Salido? I was I was expecting him to perform better. Um, and, you know, I thought he'd, he'd certainly be good enough to win. You know, seven of the rounds and you know, at least win, win on points. And so he did seem surprisingly tentative. Um, but having said that. 
Salida had come in heavier on the way and it was a lot bigger than him on the night, which is a problem. Maybe that was yeah. half Lomachenko to deal with. And Salida got away with so many low blows. Yeah. And, you know, in the last round, Lomachenko was beating the snot out of him. He was, he was. Can you... Uh, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the, the, the weight makes it of a murky grey area. But I also think what's been overlooked in this slightly is the fact that pretty much everybody was expecting Lomachenko to win. Can we give Salido any credit for upsetting the odds? I mean, yeah, if being a clever pro is not making your agreed weight and hitting someone below the belt, fine, he's a clever pro. But judging on sporting terms, he's not a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the most important thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to I don't want to talk about it for too long. But I mean, you, you you've touched upon kind of the whole weight issue. Bob Me mentioned it in last week's boxing news. Mickey Van has mentioned it in his online column this week. Should we be thinking about going back to same day weigh-ins? Um, obviously, the reason it was switched was for safety's sake. If it was up to you, what would you do with that? It's, 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 it is a hard one because safety is the most important thing. Maybe also, you know, maybe also having a second weigh-in on the morning of the fight, so you can't, you know, you can't blow up too much and have to, you know, be too, be too much, you know, so there can't be too big a difference between the two yeah. ways. You know, maybe that that that's something yeah. to to look at. Yeah. But everyone, if, you know, if everyone could just be a professional, come in at the agreed weight. We'd have a sport. <laughs> I know, I know. And that is, that is an issue with boxing, isn't it? There yeah. is so many factors like that where there doesn't seem to be an obvious solution to the problem. Yeah, yeah. But you can't, but there is an obvious problem. Like with Lomachenko on the yeah. night, it was, a, I yeah. think, a lightweight against a welterweight, yeah. if you look at the weights. Okay, moving on. We are, there was some action as well at Liverpool, um, kicking off a busy period for the city. Um, Paul Butler was at the um, was heading up that show. He looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and he's looked pretty good for all his recent fights, hasn't he? Yeah, ready to to step up. Reckon? Well, if it's against Stewie Hall, then yeah. What are you saying about Stewie Hall? <laughs> don't don't dare to tell me that. <laughs> I'm saying Butler Stewie Hall is a competitive fight. Okay, um, is Stewie Hall Martin Ward a competitive fight? Um. Less so, uh, I think. I think Stewie Hall. Well, yeah, it is. It is. I think the criticisms of the fight are, you know, are they even the best in Britain in that division? Let alone the sort of the top of the world. Yeah, you, I can see the sort of the appeal of it in the northeast because uh, an all northeast world title fight, but. It has been criticised generally, and I'm sort of think, you know, it'll probably be better for Stewie Hall to be in with a tougher opponent because it would be would be a more credible fight. But boxing is prize fighting; he needs to put bums on seats. Maybe this is this is what they needed needed to do. Kevin Satchel was also on the bill. I was impressed with Kevin Satchel earlier on in his career. I think it was um, Chris Edwards he beat quite convincingly. Um, about 18 months ago, I believe, and at that point, I did genuinely think that Satchel could go beyond domestic level. What's your opinion of Satchel? It's I've, it's hard to tell. I mean, there are not a lot of guys around, you know, not a lot of little guys around. So maybe you, you've sort of got to move him fast. 
so I don't I mean I don't have a strong opinion as Kevin yeah. Satchel obviously yeah. I rate Butler quite highly because he's sort of he looked he's looked really classy in the way he's dealt with his opponents um, so I think we need we I think we want to see Satchel in a you know in a more meaningful fight but against who like who who are the opponents around we could we could put him in with it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one, but I, st I still think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's certainly one to watch. Yeah, there are, I mean, there are a lot of good fighters in Liverpool at the moment. So Liverpool boxing is buzzing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely it is. It is. Okay, let's move on to what's happening um, this weekend. Um, we'll come back to Liverpool shortly, but first of all, if we'll just take a little trip over to Puerto Rico, where Danny Garcia defends his title against Mauricio Herrera. On paper, it's not that, for me at least, on paper, it's not that much of an enticing matchup considering what Garcia has done recently. He's kind of moved to the top of, of, of boxing. You can make a case from being in the top 15, top 20 pound for pound with what he's done recently. Um, but what do, you, what do you make of this fight, Garcia Herrera? It, like you say, I'm confused by it in that it's quite, after beating Lucas Matisse in the style he did, it's a weird sort of step down with, you know, it's not an easy fight, but yeah. that makes it a banana skin. Like yeah, it's yeah. got banana yeah. skin written all over it. I mean, I'm sure he'll come through it, even though Garcia can be a bit hit and miss. Like he's been really good in, you know, well, against Matisse in some of those big fights, yeah. but he's also he can also fight down to an opponent's yeah, yeah. level. Um, but then, you know, given the split between top rank and golden boy, there, maybe there aren't that many available, like well, you know, top light welterweights for him to fight. I know, and that's the thing. It does seem like a lot of the guys he wants to fight are in the rival camp, as it were. Let's take politics out of it. Let's let's make this an ideal world, which can be difficult in boxing, I know. But let's make this an ideal world for a second. Presuming Garcia gets past Herrera, who would you like to see Garcia in with? Yeah, well, we asked on the Boxing News Facebook page, like, who do you think would win yeah. Garcia Timbrey? That's a, that's a great fight, well matched yeah. fight. Um, that 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 would be good, um, and then what? Pacquiao, all those kind of, yeah. all those, all, all all of those would be interesting. All the sort of top ranked fighters, Provodnikov. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because you, you can go in with any of the top guys. Yeah, there was some there was some talk, and although and it was clearly just talk for the for the issues that we've just we've just spoke about, but. Garcia seemed to me, out of everybody that was in and around Floyd Mayweather's weight class, seemed to be the most deserving. Um, but he also seemed to be that on paper it would be yet another fairly one-sided victory for Floyd Mayweather were they to meet. Do you would you give Garcia any any hope of of, of being the man to to take away Floyd's unbeaten record should they ever clash? Yeah, not at the moment, but. Um you know, in future, especially you know, Floyd is is get, is is getting older. Can he stay at the top? Or you know, all this, you know, how much longer can he stay yeah, stay at the top yeah, for? Yeah, Garcia. Um, yeah, he's just. It's more. I think you look at him and you don't think of it. Well, maybe other than a hard left hook, you don't really think of any outstanding attribute. Whereas, you know. It's, it would probably be a more competitive fight than Amir Khan versus Floyd Mayweather, but at least people can say Khan's got speed. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's Maidana got? He's powerful, if yeah. ponderous and predictable. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas with Garcia, what's his what, what's what's his strength and what's the Mayweather weakness that he can get? 
It's a difficult one. I think with Garcia, and he is in that he is still young, and he has shown um, he was an underdog going into the fight with Eric Morales, the first Eric Morales fight. And although he won that fight, he wasn't overly convincing, or at least he wasn't convincing in a way that you thought he would go on to be a superstar. But he has steadily improved. And there were signs that there were more facets to his game in the Matisse fight. It wasn't quite the all-out, mindless brawl that many were predicting. Garcia did fight quite intelligently. Though. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's such, it's such another level to then improve to the point where you're in with the shout of beating Floyd Mayweather, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because he's an intelligent fighter for sure, but then yeah. Mayweather's sort of the mastermind in, in that yeah. front. But Mayweather likes people who bring something for the all-access documentaries yeah, yeah. beforehand. And you've got Danny Garcia's father who would <laughs> be oh entertaining, yeah. if not car crash TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking about Floyd Mayweather, he's we've got a little article um, with about Floyd in our news section this week, more or less, you know, in the, the, the in a nutshell, basically saying I'll do what I like because I deserve to and I've earned that right. What do you make of what he said about the whole? I mean, we've we've I've spoke about it. Trisha spoke about it. We haven't got your take about it on the podcast in terms of. Initially, there was that whole you know now infamous internet poll that he created in order to. Um, apparently um, decide who he would be in the ring with next. He ignored that and went with the loser of that poll, Marcus Maidana, ultimately, and then made some what perhaps could be slightly tongue-in-cheek um, remarks to Amir Khan via Twitter saying, well, if you fight Adrian Broner on the undercard and you beat him, which you won't, um, <laughs> then I'll fight you next. If you're Amir Khan, how would you react to all this? <laughs> I don't know, unleash your foul-mouthed <laughs> Twitter tirade. But there's, there's not a lot Amir can do. He's been sort of toyed with by Mayweather. It was Mayweather's own poll that Khan did win, even though the sort of other polls and other websites favoured Maidana. There's not, you know, Khan's hands are tied, really. He can't force his way into a Mayweather fight or he can't talk his way any closer to it than he is. So he's sort of got to go off and just try and find a, a decent opponent that people are going to be interested in. In its own right, Khan Broner's a really good fight. People yeah. will want to watch that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's looking like Louis Colazzo is most likely mm. next for Khan. And that, that again, is that's, that's hard for him here. You know, Colazzo is no mug, did really well against Ortiz. And fought recently. Khan hasn't fought since April 2013. I think my fate, my f my preferred fight for him would be a massive Kell Brook fight. Mm. You know, in the UK, that would be that would be huge. But it seems pretty clear that Khan's not interested in that. He wants to be fighting in the states. Maybe he wants a fight that will get him close to a world title. But it's an odd one. I mean, you know, you would think that surely he will make more money from a Kelbrook fight. Um, and this, for me, this Louis Colazzo fight is is a massive, massive banana skin. I mean, who do you make a favorite in that? Colazzo's been there and done it. Never really been beaten that convincingly. I think Shane Mosley turned in a pretty good performance a few years ago in one of Mosley's final um, good performances. Um, Colazzo, stylistically as well, I think, you know, if if Khan was to win that convincingly, it would be a really, really good result for him. Um, but Kell Brook, it seems like there's a there's a there's a lot more. There would be a more reward 
and arguably, I think, with the styles, less risk. Uh, what do you, what's your take yeah, on that? Yeah, no, I well, I agree with you in all things, but particularly, yeah. <laughs> particularly with that, yeah, yeah, like lucrative could be on pay per view over here. You know, if you had it in Sheffield or something like that, where it can't last for get a big crowd on the night. Um, you know, and Kelbrook's very good in a hard and a hard hitter, but I don't think he's as awkward or difficult as Colazzo and that you know, and there are question marks about Kelbrook in the in the second yeah. half of a fight yeah. his fitness and conditioning. Whereas we know Khan can, you know, fight hard to the end. You know, probably sets a bit too high a pace, but he's got sort of heart and can cope with it. So, um it's a shame it doesn't look like it's it's happening, but No. But no one listens to me. No, I know that feeling. I do know that feeling very, very well. But Mook, if we go back to this Puerto Rican bill, and the thing which kind of salvages it for me um, is the undercard. Two really intriguing fights on there. First of all, we'll start with Deontay Wilder and Malik Scott, heavyweight. Malik Scott showed his ability in the Derek Chisora loss. The ending was obviously controversial. Has Malik Scott got what it takes to take Deontay Wilder beyond a few minutes? I think so, because I think you'd have to sort of just be intimidated and capitulate straight away for um, for him to be taken out quickly. You know, he's he is he is awkward. He's not an easy opponent. It took you know he was he was winning the rounds initially against Chisora yeah. until Chisora got motoring, and yeah, and the stoppage was sort of relatively controversial at the time. But I think the British journalist ringside, I was there for that. Like Scott. His corner was kicking up more of a fuss at the stoppage than he was, so I think he'd sort of become disheartened by by that point. So I think once Wilder gets some, you know, gets some hurting bombs in on him, <laughs> then he's in trouble. But I would think he'd make make life difficult for Wilder, especially because Wilder, you know, this is <laughs> given Wilder's paltry opposition so far. This is yeah. his his biggest test. You mentioned their world as poultry opposition. It's, you know, Malik Scott has had a lot more, f well, I'll say a lot more. Has he had more fights, actually, having said that? No, he hasn't. He's had less fights, but he's been around a lot longer time. But his yeah. opposition as well, for such a long time, you could say, was poultry. And something that was interesting, and one of my favourite parts of the magazine is the 60-second interview, which is always, you can always find on the, um, on the last page. Um, toughest opponent you've faced. And he actually mentioned, he actually says that Derek Chisora was his toughest opponent. Now, that's quite rare um, for a boxer and, you know, remembering a boxer's ego and their pride. Normally, in that question, you'll find the answer will be something, will be somebody they've, they've beaten the bajabas out of. Yeah. You know, they're very rarely honest and say, yeah, the guy that beat me was actually the toughest opponent. But to be fair, if you look at Scott's record, Chisora is by far and away the toughest test on there. Um, so for that reason, I think you've got to favour Wilder. Um, he's obviously got a lot of confidence behind him, and he's that one-punch power. And even though it's it's a very crude kind of wrecking ball type type of shot that he throws, it's ludicrously effective. Um, presuming he wins this, Deontay Wilder. I know you and I have spoke about Deontay Wilder versus Vladimir Klitschko in the future. It would be a mouth-watering fight if Wilder could say blast Malik Scott out early on. Would it be mouth-watering? <sighs> I think so. Oh, you know, I like, I'm a big heavyweight fan. I enjoy a big heavyweight fight. I'm craving one yeah. to be oh, on uh, American yeah. soil yeah. again in the build-up. I think they could certainly sell the fight. 
Um, like you say, getting a big hitter like Wilder in the mix makes it make, makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think ideally for that fight, though, to perhaps be quite as mouthwatering as I'm making out, is you would need Wilder to impress against Scott. Then I think the plan would be for him to take on the winner of Bermain, Stiverne, and Chris Ariola. Um, and then if he was to, say, blast out Ariola or Stiverne, then you've got a fight on your hands, haven't you, against Klitschko? Um, I'm down with that. I'm glad, I'm glad. Finally, on that bill, Juan Manuel Lopez against Daniel Ponce Leon. Now, this is a rematch of a 2008 encounter, which really, really put Juan Manuel Lopez on the map when he blasted out Ponce de Leon in the opening round. A lot has happened since then. Repeat or revenge? <sighs> it's, I mean, when, when a boxer's knocked someone out, it's usually repeat, isn't it? I think, or is that just in my imagination? Usually it is repeat, but very often, I mean, it's not, the, there's a lot has gone on and it's quite a few years has passed. Generally a rematch will happen within two or three years at the most. This is what now, coming up to six. And Lopez is coming off in his two most recent big fights to fairly damaging stoppage loss, losses. Um, so... Repeat or revenge? <laughs> <laughs> I can go with repeat, but less. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose it, you know, if it's less impressive, that's a sign of how much um, Lopez has slipped, or you know, the the, the the toll of taking those losses. Yeah, it's a real for me. It's an interesting fight. Ponce de Leon. There was uh, well, there was an interview on the website um, where Ponce de Leon basically said, "You can't take anything. Call me cold. You can't take anything from a one-round fight. This is going to go longer, and you'll see the real me." Ponce de Leon has been chugging away for such a long time now. Um, I think this would be the end for him if he was to lose. I think for both of them, actually. I think if, if definitely if, if Lopez loses, it's over for him. Uh, Ponce de Leon loses, definitely over for him. But will will we? I mean, not so long ago we were hoping to see a Yuri Orkis Gamboa yeah. uh, Lopez showdown. Could we perhaps still see that? I don't. Th- I mean, I don't know what's going on with Gamboa though. He seems like a a wrong and doesn't he? Yeah. So <laughs> maybe if Gamboa can't get you know can't get anyone else to fight, it might eventually happen. But boxing's a sort of you know, it's a cruel business. You sort of quickly forget, like, you know, a few years ago, we were all talking about Juan Manuel Lopez wanting that fight. Now he's had the, you know, he's been tarnished by these defeats and, you know, we just don't care <laughs> anymore. <laughs> right, <laughs> Not to be cruel, but yeah, no but right. it happens. Like one minute, you know, one minute you're top of the world, everyone's talking about you. And that's, you know, this is what, such a crazy sport. One big loss suddenly, or one poor performance, we move on. We find someone else to get excited about, Speaking like Paul Butler. Like Paul Butler, like Paul Butler, and kind of neatly bringing us back to Liverpool. Um, there is a someone who's got to make a massive statement this weekend. Is Tony Bellew, um, a friend of Boxing News? You spoke to him um, in while writing your preview of his return against Valerie Brudov. Now, without giving too much away, what is, or rather not giving too much of the preview away, but, but what, what, what is Bellew's mindset going into this really, really crucial fight? It was. It's a new look Tony Bellew, he, he claims, um, at a new weight. 
will he you know will he it's a big it's sort of a you know a big jump to make up in weight will you know will this power come with him um will he be able to handle the the, the bigger men or you know will it was he draining himself to make light heavyweight he's tried to sort of not use it as an excuse he's been sort of complimentary about how good Adonis Stevenson was but he's also said that you know making the weight didn't help um we will see i suppose the intrigue is really we expect him to win so obviously losing would be a a, a disaster yeah yeah you know, um you know a win, a win is good because Brudov's a solid o- opponent to come to, you know, to come back off a loss against. Um, if Belly dazzles, then then we can start to believe he could make a, you know, he, he could make he, he could make a world title run. If he struggles, you know, the British rival Nathan Cleverly is still around. So again, they, you know, they, there is no love lost there. So that you know, that's you know, that's almost more you know that would again be an entertaining route for him to take. So, but I suppose they need Belly to be spectacular because this bill has taken a hammering with injuries yeah. and dropouts since we went to press. Paul Smith is off. I was looking forward to to hearing his entrance. Like, Real gone kid, classic. I like it. Classic. <laughs> Moving back to Bellew though, and the thing is with, which is different from, from pretty much every other weight class, very often, you know, fighters will naturally grow out of their, the weight class that they've been performing in for the majority of their career. Um, often a fighter will move up a weight division because he feels like he needs to, a change of scenery almost, he needs to, uh, to, be, to, to freshen up a bit, for, for want of a better term. But the thing is with moving from light heavyweight to cruiserweight, it's a 25 pound jump. Now, if you go from light heavyweight downwards, you, 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 you're basically looking at seven or eight pounds at the most for each, for each jump. 25 pounds is huge. Now, even though Tony Bellew has always been tight at light heavyweight, how is he gonna cope and with, with, with that kind of jump? And is he gonna be coming in around the, the, the 200 pound limit or is he going to be kind of keeping it a bit more sensible and coming in at something like 185? And if so, is that going to affect his, his performance against some of the bigger cruiserweights? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Um, but those, you know, those are the big questions. Because I mean, does he? How he ne- he never looked. I know it was hard. I know it was hard for him to make the weight, but because he ne- he never looked massive, yeah. it makes me worry that it'll be hard for him up at cruiserweight. But Having said all that, he was after the Stevenson loss. He was, he was kind of running out of options at light heavyweight if he wants to get to a world title. You know, Hopkins and Shubinov are fighting each other, but it seems unlikely that Belly would be able to get in the mix with yeah. them. After what happened at Stevenson, you're not going to put him in with Kovalev. Are are the cruiserweight world champions easier? Maybe in terms of skill, but not in terms of size. You love Marco Hook, so... I do love Marco Hook. Who yeah. could stand against Marco Hook? Probably the greatest fighter <laughs> of all time, Marco Hook. After Ian Knapp. <laughs> <laughs> Your other favourite fighter. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see, and there's this there's, there's press release that went out today about Bellew in that, you know, he hasn't got to worry about the scales. He's eating well. Um, he's a lot happier, but... Wasn't a lot of the effectiveness with Tony Bellew, with just how damn angry he used to be. <laughs> yeah, I still think he's an angry man. 
he always sounds, you know, highly motivated. Yeah. So, you know, he must be out to prove a point. So he's definitely, he's, you know, it's it was a loss to Stevenson and, you know, and a stoppage defeat, but it's not the end of Tony Bellier. He seems, he's, as always, seems well up for it. Yeah. But then he's just got to start fighting up to his words, if that makes grammatical sense. Do, do you think, and, I'm, and I realise I'm kind of hanging around the, the, the issue probably a bit too much, but um, is is that is is it the solution for Tony Bellew to move up in weight, or is it a solution for any fighter to move up in weight? Does being happy in training camp, the fact that they don't have to watch their weight so much, take the edge away from a fighter? Um, isn't kind of cutting weight part of, of, of the whole discipline and enhances the performance? I think certainly the sort of the attitude that you've got to cut weight as much as possible and be as big as you can for the division you're in is sort of traditional old school boxing thinking. I'm not sure it's a good idea. I think, you know, that you're sort of you know, being angry, that has to come from within, not just from being dehydrated and grumpy. Yeah, um, And I think, you know, with some fights, you know, I think with some fighters, you see the fact that if they're, you know, if they if they stay at the weight they, they fight at, Carl Frotch is, is, I think, a prime example for like living like a pro. I wonder if some of his durability has been down to the fact that he's not draining himself yeah. to make the weight. Um, you know, you know, it's not healthy having to dehydrate yourself the day before. You lose a lot in your performance if you're having to sort of do that to your body. Um, so, you know, I think you know, boxing will change in that in that attitude once sort of sports science gets 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 more involved in it. I think there's something to be said about not, you know, hurting yourself to, to yeah. make the weight. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. You mentioned Carl Frotch, and that's what we'll finish on. Carl Frotch and George Groves, little bit of history. Um, they had their press conference at Wembley Stadium. There was quite a few whispers beforehand that it might go off. Um, and it was all quite calm for a while. Frotch seemed to be putting up with George Groves sitting there playing on his Rubik's Cube and what have you. I was pretty impressed by that. I can't do a Rubik's Cube. No, I can't. But my cousin can do it in, in really, really short short space of time, which has is, is always astonished me. Um, but what what does this say now? Because because Frotch had handled himself quite well. He didn't seem to be taking any any of the bait. And then he pushed him. And then he pushed him. Now, you know, this... This kind of things happens, doesn't it? Should we? We don't need to judge too much. We don't need to look too 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 much into this, do we? Is it not our job to look too much into this? <laughs> I I think we need to overreg this pudding. Go on then. He pushed him. He pushed. Him. <laughs> Stop he pushed the press. Him. Um, all right, fine. It ultimately won't have any bearing on the fight itself. But we've got months to go to the fight itself, so we need to spill ink on something. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I take that, and I think a lot of people will be off that. Will is, but, but I suppose. I mean, reading into it, it's a sign that Frotch is rattled, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it certainly shows. There's not that they, if they don't hate each other, they certainly dislike each other intensely. Um, it's also 
it's an odd thing to do because, you know, you don't want it to kick off at a press conference because then the fight, you know, if someone gets hurt, then the fight's off. I know Groves didn't fall over or anything and it was fine, but, you know, you don't really want to put in jeopardy this gigantic payday that's coming up. Frotch has taken some stick for kind of very, very briefly losing his rag um, and giving George Groves a shove. Um, do you have any sympathy for Frotch for what he did in that Groves, obviously a man that annoys him a great deal, um, certainly more so than any other Frotch opponent, um, he is getting on his nerves immensely. Um, and as they come together, Groves is yattering away in his ear, no idea what he was saying, and Frotch almost instinctively reaches his arms out and just shoves him off. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and it was only a push. He didn't sort of punch him or, or slap him like Chisora did to Vitali yeah. at the way in. He did, it was only a push and no one got hurt. And it didn't escalate. But I was surprised to see Frotch do something like that because he normally, he's normally sort of, um, you know, prickly and spiky, but he is, uh, you know, normally a consummate pro. So it's not something I, I expected from him. I want to know about Lee Froch, though. Where does he fit into this? He's not. He doesn't seem to be doing his brother any favours as much as he might think that he is. Um, if you were Carl Froch, would you advise perhaps his brother to stay away from the next press conference? <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely. I don't think it makes. I don't think it's winning Carl any fans, um, because you know. And also, it's even worse. Like Carl, Carl is doing the fighting. So in these press conferences and interviews, he can really say, you know, you say pretty much what he wants within reason. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Lee Froch isn't the, isn't the one getting in the ring with George Groves. So it looks a bit like. Someone in a playground standing behind someone else's <laughs> shoulder, waving their fist and hurling abuse. It's you know it's it's odd that Lee Froch just suddenly popped up and become a become a part of this because like you know we've watched Carl's career pretty closely. I don't remember his brother appearing yeah. really in, until now. But you know if you know once we get close to the fight, I think everyone will pretty soon forget about Lee Froch. I don't think he's a, a major actor in this event. And I think, to be fair, we'll probably forget about this shove as well before what? too long. Um, prior to that, prior to that, Froch did seem calm, a lot calmer than he did um, at this stage of the first fight. You know, he seemed to be dealing with, with Groves a lot more. But can we, can, how much can we, can we, can we take from this press conference. Is it an early indication that Groves is in Frotch's head in the way that Frotch isn't in Groves'? Is? is it an early indication that Frotch has perhaps suffered a mental hangover slightly from the first fight and from the build-up to the first fight and that he will find this fight exceptionally difficult to deal with mentally? Yeah, I certainly... <laughs> You know, it's hard to say. I think the fight will come down to whatever goes on in their respective training camps and yeah. then how they execute it on the night. 
having said that, Groves does seem, he seems like he's, you know, Froch may find him annoying and, you know, other, you know, plenty of people watching might find Groves annoying as well, but he certainly seems like he's maturing the way he's dealt with. Right, let's keep, let's keep chatting. So I've just noticed <laughs> that the camera, the camera has gone f- off. What does this mean? That means that the camera's gone off. I'm not sure if we can still be heard, if the audio can, can continue. So we will. So, but I can do anything and no one can see. You can just go nuts now. You can get naked. All right. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> All right. I was okay. going to say I could pick my nose. No, no. Okay, well, let's... We'll do it your way. Okay, well, let, 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 let's wrap it up there because I have just spotted that the, the camera has... It looks like we've run out of memory. But I was um, about to say something incisive. Go on, I just, don't know. Just I was going somewhere. Groves has matured. He's <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Okay, so It'll thanks be- for that. If you can still hear <laughs> us, if not, we'll catch you next time.